American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, help others find it by sharing the episode and giving us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about the only approved Marian apparition in the United States, the appearance of the Blessed Virgin Mary to a Belgian immigrant woman near Green Bay, Wisconsin in 1859. This apparition was only formally approved by the church in 2010, so it took about 150 years for the official recognition to come. But even so, I had no idea that any Marian apparitions had been approved in the U.S. until I kind of randomly heard about this one within the past three years. Now, I find that amazing. Marian apparitions are kind of a big deal, but the one that happened right here on our own soil has received very little attention. There are likely a few reasons for that, which we'll get into, but let's start with the story of the woman who had the visions and then what happened. Right. So the story begins in Belgium in the first half of the 19th century. For various reasons, a good number of Belgians, particularly faithful Catholic Belgians, had begun migrating to the New World. By the 1850s, this had gone from pioneering individuals to whole communities of families looking to migrate en masse. They settled in many places, especially in the Midwest, but one place of real concentration was in northeast Wisconsin, not far from Green Bay and the Door Peninsula. That is, if you're looking at a map of Wisconsin, Door Peninsula is the narrow peninsula on the east side of the state which separates the body of water called Green Bay from Lake Michigan. Part of the draw to Wisconsin was that the state of Wisconsin had actually advertised in Belgium seeking immigrants to settle there. Wisconsin had only become a state in 1848 and was seeking more citizens. Another driver of immigration from Belgium was the Belgian government. They actually deported a few hundred convicts and paupers to the United States to try to solve some of their own social issues. These forced immigrants naturally blended into the expat Belgian communities forming here in the United States. So the United States was sort of like the Australian penal colony for Belgium. Yeah, kind of like that. Crazy. Yeah. Among the families that came over from Brabant, Belgium, was the Breeze family. Parents Lambert and Catherine Breeze had three children, and the oldest was a daughter named Mary Adele. But like so many Belgians and French who had the first name Marie, she just went by her middle name. So to most, she's known as Adele Breeze. Adele was born in 1831 and was a devout child. She went to a school run by some Ursuline nuns, and when she received her first communion, she and some of her friends made a promise to the Blessed Mother that they all would enter a religious community and teach the faith to children. So as far as she was concerned, her life's plan was set. But in her early 20s, her parents began talking about joining this growing number of families leaving Belgium for the American frontier. They expected Adele to join them. Adele was distraught. She thought this meant breaking her promise to the Blessed Mother. She did not want to go and told her parents so. Her mother pleaded with her, telling Adele that if she did not come with them, she, her mother, would die from sadness. Adele was moved by this, but was still very torn. She went to talk with their parish priest who advised her to be a good daughter to her parents and go with them. He assured her that the Blessed Mother would find a way to help her make good on her promise. 
So Adele obeyed, and in 1855, when Adele was 24 years old, the Breeze family left Belgium and came to America, settling along the Red River near the town of Robinsonville, Wisconsin, right at the base of the Door Peninsula. Life was simple and hard. The forests were thick, the towns far apart, and the land had to be cleared for farming. Adele helped her parents and continued to live a devout life. The Mass and other sacraments were available because there were Catholic priests serving the community. Belgian priests had been consistent missionaries in America and would continue to be so, including three whom we've talked about before, Father Pierre de Semet in episode 91, Archbishop Charles John Sagers in episode 18, and Father Sutbert Mollinger in episode 23. There's also a fourth whom we've mentioned, but we haven't done an episode about him yet. That's Father Charles Nierinks, who is a major founder of the church in Kentucky and in the Midwest. So there were Catholic churches in this frontier land, even if they required the faithful to travel many miles through dense forests. Adele made many such treks through the forest, whether to go to church or to go to the grist mill or other errands. And it was on one such trek that she first saw the Blessed Mother. She was carrying wheat to the grist mill at Dixville to have it ground into flour when she came upon a lady surrounded by light. She was clad in all dazzling white with a yellow sash, and she was standing between two trees, one a maple and the other a hemlock. Her dress fell to her feet, her hair fell loosely about her shoulders, and she had a crown of twelve stars. Adele was scared by the apparition, and the vision soon vanished. This was on October 9th, 1859. A few days later, she was walking the same route on her way to Mass. This time, her sister Isabella and a neighbor woman were with her. Again, in the same spot between those same two trees, Adele saw the woman, but her companions saw nothing. The vision once again vanished without saying a word. This time, she did as she had done in Belgium, and she asked the priest about the encounters. The priest, Father Willem Verhoff, advised her that if she saw the vision again, she should inquire, In God's name, who are you, and what do you want of me? If the vision were of diabolical origin, it would not be able to handle this request and would depart. If of divine origin, the woman would surely reply. So, armed with these two questions and assured of their effectiveness, Adele and her two companions set off for the 11-mile walk back to their homes. When they approached that same spot very near Robinsonville, Adele saw the beautiful woman once again. This time, she knelt down and asked the woman the two questions. This time the woman spoke, and she said, I am the Queen of Heaven who prays for the conversion of sinners. If they do not convert and do penance, my son will be obliged to punish them. I can hardly hold his arm. At this point, Adele's companions asked who it was and why they couldn't see her. Adele said to them, Kneel, the lady says she is the Queen of Heaven. Then the Blessed Mother turned toward them and said, Blessed are they that believe without seeing. Then addressing Adele again, she said, What are you doing here in idleness while your companions are working in the vineyard of my son? Adele took this as a reference to her friends back in Belgium who had made good on their childhood promise to enter religious life and to teach while she was doing nothing of the sort. So Adele asked, What more can I do, dear lady? And the Blessed Mother replied, Gather the children in this wild country and teach them what they should know for salvation. Adele replied, but how shall I teach them who know so little myself? Her own education hadn't been that great, certainly not what she would have received had she become an Ursuline back in Belgium. But the Blessed Mother replied, Teach them their catechism, how to sign themselves with the sign of the cross, and how to approach the sacraments. That is what I wish you to do. 
Go and fear nothing. I will help you. And with that, the Blessed Mother lifted her hands as if in blessing and then departed. That was the extent of the apparition and the message. And that, as they say, was that. Adele's life work was, in fact, set. When she told her parents of the vision, they believed her. And it didn't take long for her father to erect a small log chapel on the site where Adele indicated that the visions had taken place. Adele wasted little time obeying the Blessed Mother's call. She set about visiting families and working with Father Verhoff to arrange classes and other catechetical efforts. She would walk everywhere, traveling throughout a 50-mile radius from her home to visit families with children. She generally had nothing, but would offer to clean people's homes in exchange for an opportunity to teach their children about the faith. Her reputation and fanaticism for teaching the faith spread far and wide and got a lot of notice. Many believed her readily, including the woman who owned the property on which the visions took place. That woman, Isabella Doyen, donated a five-acre plot around the spot to Adele, and a larger wooden church was built in 1861. Over the front door of this chapel was put the French phrase which translates to, Our Lady of Good Help, Pray for Us. And this is actually where the apparition gets its name. In 1865, the new pastor of the parish in Bay Settlement, the unfortunately named Father Philip Crudd, advised Adele to accept assistance to help her in her mission and to solicit donations to carry on the work. He even encouraged her to build a school and a convent for her new community so that people could start coming to her rather than her always going out to them. And then, to help her in her fundraising efforts, he gave her a letter which she could show as a testimonial of his approval. The community of lay women who gathered around Adele took on a third-order secular Franciscan lifestyle and became known as the Sisters of St. Francis of Assisi. Adele became known as Sister Adele. To remind people, third-order Franciscans were historically the laity who adopted a Franciscan lifestyle, but who were not in vows. Eventually, the Third Order was divided into the Third Order Regular, which means the men and women who take religious vows, and the Third Order Secular, or those who do not take vows. Adele and her community were this latter version, Third Order Secular. Though they did live in community and they did wear habits, they never did take religious vows, so the women were free to leave the community whenever they wished. The community managed to open a school in 1869 called St. Mary's Boarding Academy, and children from all over were sent to their care, including many orphans. Tuition was modest, apparently just $1 per week for those who could pay, with others not paying at all. A lack of funds would not keep any children away. In short order, they had nearly 100 students. To cover expenses not covered by the tuition, the sisters begged for support and held fundraising events. This actually has parallels with what we're doing with the Montessori School here in town. But anyway, it was these events which prompted one of the many run-ins with the church hierarchy. Right. We hadn't touched on this aspect of the story yet, but the hierarchy of the church wasn't always best of friends with Adele and the sisters. For one thing, there was always the question of the authenticity of Adele's visions— Lots of people claim to have mystical visions of various sorts, including visitations by the Blessed Mother. The Church is very careful in investigating and approving claims of apparitions because of the implications of the apparitions. They're huge. Right. First, if a person has a vision, it may well just be for his or her own benefit, and it isn't something the Church needs to approve as beneficial for the faithful at large. If the claimed apparition has implications beyond the visionary's own life, as this vision by Adele clearly had due to her activity, then the Church has reason to investigate and be sure it is authentic. 
Some of the hallmarks they look for are whether any message given is in accord or discord with the deposit of faith. The deposit of faith, of course, is all truths revealed by Christ and taught by the Twelve Apostles. Nothing new has been added to the deposit of faith since the death of the last Apostle, St. John, in 99, about then. So if something said in the vision contradicts the deposit of faith, it cannot be from God. Another hallmark is the sanctity and witness of the visionary. If they exhibit holiness and virtues such as humility and obedience, that helps to affirm that the vision was true. In the case of Adele and her purported visions, what she reported the Blessed Mother said was simply, teach the faith. There's nothing wrong with that. And what she then said about doing was teaching the faith with a single-minded devotion. So that also recommends itself. But the hierarchy still could be difficult, if only because she was doing this without their direction, without them being the ones who thought of it first, and largely outside of their control. It's not that she was being defiant against the church or intentionally going around the church hierarchy. It really just didn't enter into her mind that the hierarchy needed to approve everything she did while carrying out the charge that the Blessed Mother had given her. Besides, Bishops and bureaucrats can be so slow and careful, while the Holy Spirit can be more of a wildfire burning out of control. A little bit of foreshadowing, huh? Yeah, isn't it nice, though? We'll get to that. Yeah. Regarding her working with the church hierarchy, she had consulted her parish priest, who gave her his blessing and encouragement. And when her community built a new church in 1880, they certainly worked with the diocese, and the bishop himself came out to dedicate it. But there were some rough moments. The first rough patch was with the first bishop of Green Bay, the Austrian-born Joseph Melker. Green Bay had been made a diocese in 1868, and Melker was bishop for its first two years until he died in 1870. But those were two tumultuous years. First, shortly after being made bishop, Melker ordered Sister Adele to recant her visions and to stop telling people that the Blessed Mother had appeared to her. He placed the chapel and the school under interdict, which means the sacraments could no longer be offered there, and he threatened her with excommunication. And then, when someone complained to him that alcoholic beverages were sold at the sisters' fundraisers, Bishop Melker ordered Adele to close her school and to turn over the keys to him. In obedience, Adele went to his office to hand over the keys. But in the meeting, she refused to recant her visions or to stop maintaining that they had taken place. In that meeting with him, she made plain that in shutting down her school, he was taking the responsibility for all of the children who would no longer be receiving a good education in the faith. Any souls lost would be on him. The bishop acknowledged her obedience, recognized her devotion to teaching the faith, and he relented. He allowed her to keep the school open and lifted the interdict. The second sad episode came about under his successor, the German-born Francis Krautbauer. In 1875, Krautbauer and his assistant made an unannounced visit to St. Mary's School, and it apparently did not go well at all. Sister Adele wrote to him, pleading with him to speak with the priests of the area who knew them and their operations better, but at least initially it was to no avail. Bishop Krautbauer did shut down the school and the chapel and forbade all pilgrimages to the shrine. But within a year, he allowed them all to reopen and resume devotions and pilgrimages. As we said, just a few years later, in 1880, Bishop Krautbauer consecrated the new chapel. So things with the diocese mostly smoothed out for Adele after that. But threats from the hierarchy weren't all that she had to contend with. There was also nature. In 1871, a terrible forest fire broke out in northeast Wisconsin. 
Known as the Peshtigo Fire, it consumed 1.2 million acres of land and killed anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 people. It remains the most deadly forest fire in history. This fire broke out on October 8, 1871, which was the eve of the 12th anniversary of the first of Adele's visions back in 1859. Over the next 24 hours, it turned into a firestorm, with some reporting that the fire and wind actually produced fiery tornadoes, which tossed houses in the air as it consumed everything in its path, with flames that reached 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. As this wall of flame ravaged the area around Robinsonville, many people fled to St. Mary's and the shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. Many farmers brought livestock with them. Adele and her sisters welcomed them all and organized constant praying of the rosary in the chapel before the Blessed Sacrament. They also processed around the perimeter of the shrine grounds, praying and bearing a statue of Our Lady of Good Help. The fire approached the grounds and burned all around them. Mind you, all of the buildings at this point were wooden, so no one would have stood a chance if the fire had encroached on the grounds. But as the night wore on and morning broke on October 9th, as, as the flames approached the shrine grounds, a heavy rain broke out, dousing the flames. All of the surrounding land was charred, but the shrine, its buildings, and all of its grounds were untouched. One priest who came the following day to see for himself wrote, All the houses and the fences in the neighborhood had been burned with the exception of the school, the chapel, and the fences surrounding the six acres of land consecrated to the Blessed Virgin. The property sanctified by the visible presence of the Mother of God now shone out like an emerald island amid a sea of ashes. And the grounds did survive as a beacon of hope and healing for the surrounding community. Every year on the anniversary of the Peshtigo Fire, the community repeats the procession around the grounds with the statue and prayer. Other annual events have drawn in faithful from the larger region as well. Beginning in 1895, a large outdoor mass is done each May, the month of Mary, and then the big event of each year is the festival and mass on the Solemnity of the Assumption in August. In 1902, management of the school was transferred to the Sisters of St. Francis in Bay Settlement. Eventually, the school closed, and the building has been used in a number of other ways since then. But the central fact that gave life to this place of prayer and devotion wasn't officially recognized by the church for a long, long time. To be sure, bishops of Green Bay have supported the shrine as a special place of prayer and pilgrimage for many, many decades, but it wasn't until 2010, 150 years after Adele Breeze had the visions, that the Bishop of Green Bay, Most Reverend David Ricken, finally declared this apparition of the Blessed Mother to be worthy of belief. And with that, it became as official an apparition as Lourdes, Fatima, and Guadalupe, but as local as Wisconsin. And it all started with Adele Breeze's fidelity to her promise and her obedience to the direction of the Blessed Mother. Sister Adele died peacefully in 1896. By this time, some of her sisters had gone to join the Sisters of St. Francis in Bay Settlement. One of them, Sister Pauline, who had been one of Sister Adele's earliest disciples and helpers, visited Sister Adele shortly before her death and wrote of her. Dear Sister had a great deal to suffer from some misunderstandings, especially from the clergy. But all this was to make her feel that this is not our true home, and she took it in good faith. I never heard her say an unkind word against them. She was always charitable and obedient. Her work prospered, and she did a great deal of good. Dear Sister Adele, from your happy home above, remember us. 
You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help others find it by sharing this episode and by giving us a five-star rating and a good review. We also ask you to support the many productions of SQPN at sqpn.com give. To learn more about the apparition of Our Lady of Good Help and Sister Adele, to find previous episodes, or to learn about our upcoming pilgrimages to important and unforgettable Catholic holy sites like Our Lady of Good Help, please visit AmericanCatholicHistory.org. We also love feedback and hearing about great Catholic history sites and stories from all over. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash American Catholic History, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History, produced by StarQuest.